da Shingli Vinyala Ching Bang Ching Tanzada Anything goes Iwang Ilu Chu Cha Kucha Meha Ching Su Shusha La Fong Yen Itao Itao Anything goes You've joined the Betamax Video Club rewinding back to our favourite films of the 1980s. My name's Richard Nelson and tonight I've rented Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Watching you with me is Chris Stokes. Hi Chris, how are you? Hello, thanks for having me. Thank you for bringing your battered Betamax copy of the Temple of Doom. You're welcome, you're welcome. Um, I'd say this, this was a video I watched at school once when it was one of those end of term shots. Oh, so. Was it, uh, how old was it when that? It wasn't that old, I think it was one of, I was probably seven or eight, so this has been out for maybe three or four years. Okay. Um, so uh, getting to rewatch it now, it's, it's not school, but uh, thank you for bringing your copy and rewinding no, it first. You're welcome. I have to rewind it first. I think it's um. I I loved when um at school when you had a video day, and especially when like the teachers didn't really adhere to the age no. restrictions. Some some of them were a bit cool and let you watch one that wasn't. wasn't yeah, really I think they got a bit of a surprise. They they let it go when there was some of the bits we'll talk about. But there was one. There was um, oh yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> one part at the end. Uh, I mean, if you haven't seen this film, why not? Why are you listening? Indiana Jones <laughs> says a naughty word, and hearing a couple of hundred inner-city London kids giggling and laughing at the word shit. Yeah, of course he does say that. Yeah, I mean, because th- I rewatched it um, fairly recently, and um, it had been a long time since I had watched it, and I've got—I think I must have different <laughs> eyes now. It's a totally different film yeah. <laughs> from what I remember. I mean, in, in terms of this film, um, I mean, I. When we talked about doing an episode, there were quite a few on the list to choose from. Um, what was so special about this film of that list for you? I loved the Indiana Jones films as a kid because my dad loved them, and my dad is—he's um, not—he's not a robot, but like what he used to like was mostly informed by what my mum liked. So when I was a kid, it was like my mum and dad like this, whereas Indiana Jones was, oh, dad loves this. And like he um, he had no qualms about saying, like it was his thing. It was one of the few things that was his thing. So um, uh, I watched them a lot as a child. And I don't know, it was it was the one that feels like, it's the outlier of the, of the films, I think, as well. So because it's the one that's most different I, it kind of leapt out it's, um, it's strange having watched Raiders of the Lost Ark quite recently and reminiscing about that and there were some parts of it which haven't aged too well I think um, without going into it too much there were a lot of depictions of people of various races and religions in less favourable ways yeah the other thing about that though is is that it's a period piece it is yeah. so they do, do you know what I mean um, which Admittedly, I think films nowadays walk a better tightrope with that. Where that, whereas, like, do you know what mm, I mean? Yeah. Like, they kind of say, "This is what it would have been like," but also it was wrong. <laughs> whereas, uh, whereas some of the films that were made back then were like, "Well, it would be untrue to have a different depiction of." And um, it's like maybe sometimes it's better to, you know, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, don't maybe not go too hard on yeah. it. Yeah, and then when you go from that into this film, which in similar ways the vast majority of the film is set in India and <laughs> and before that China yeah, China and India um, huge parts of that when you watch it now even though I mean that the film came out in 1984 it was set in 1935 
again for it's almost like a history lesson for some people there's depictions of sort of colonial yeah. British Empire soldiers and how they treat people in India at the time and the views backwards and forwards it was um it gives you a lot to think about rather than just a fella in a hat jumping around with a whip yeah it does but, but also it was like one of the, another reason why I chose it was because I mean I know technically it's a prequel because it's set a year before Raiders but like as a sequel like the next in line of a series um the way they went so different like they didn't just do another Raiders like they took the character and then plonked him in a totally different type of film which is quite interesting when I think about it yeah like it would have been so much easier I mean I know because with, with Crusade they went back to uh, like you know the Nazis as bad guys and then when they did the fourth one it was the Russians because it was the Cold War whereas with Temple of Doom it's like they've just done something totally uh, removed from what they had done in the first film and I quite like sequels that do that like I, I don't want to see the same film again do you know yeah what I, mean? I think that's something that was it was certainly bold and, and it's weird when you look at it now um, when Spielberg and, and George Lucas talk down about this film quite a lot and they were going through you know when it was yeah. about this, some personal things and they were kind of saying oh yeah we weren't in a good place when we made it it definitely shows <laughs> as well like <laughs> once, once you know that it explains a lot I suppose if you're going through a divorce then you're writing a film where a guy has his heart ripped out. It's um... that, <laughs> but also it's not. I mean, it's even in other little moments as well. Like in the opening number, where uh, 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 after the song and just as they're making their escape, when the, when it all kicks off and they're having the big old brawl in um, in the club, yeah. like Indiana Jones just punches a woman in the face, and, <laughs> and that's that's not a joke that lands. Um, that comes from, like and when you know what they're going through that does that like it's the sort of thing where it could have been raised and a reasonable thinking person would have gone yeah you're right we won't do that whereas <laughs> they would have been like what's wrong with it in a woman in the face i don't mind <laughs> just leave it in um so it's things things like that that um their decisions made by yeah i n- think by, by people that will never make of, those decisions you know, ever having again. made all these like films it, like spielberg in particular making films like et where it's about you know these loving relationship and and a lot of his films are around relationships <laughs> with sort of father figures and this and then you've got a, a guy albeit i mean there there is the caveat i suppose yeah. indiana jones had been poisoned by some chinese gangsters which i, I mean ha- not having been in that position i don't know how i'd react yeah yeah no i i i fully agree and maybe maybe you know not thinking straight someone turns up behind him he might he might just lamp them you don't have to put that in the film. <laughs> so yeah, it is the is the one thing that like that is I, it sticks right out now. When um now I know the background of Lucas and Spielberg and what was going on for them both. It kind of recontextualizes a lot of the film watching it. Yeah, I mean, again, like you said, Raiders and and Crusade were these kind of boys' adventures. You know, growing up, it's what mm. you'd expect. Uh, and this, I mean, like, touch wood, I, I've not had personal issues that they apparently were going through at the time although I suppose Spielberg came out of it with a wife uh, that's true and it's I tell you what it's so odd about because she doesn't like get a lot of love but the character is awful but she's mm. actually very good at yeah. playing it there's a lovely bit in that dance at the very start where she kind of like she trips over a little bit and is annoyed with herself um, so like it's a really good performance but the character is 
probably intentionally just very very grating and again that's another highlight as to what Lucas and Spielberg <laughs> were thinking how they what their mindsets were at the time it's like yeah. this, it's it's this woman that, that 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 tags along and makes everything difficult for him and and almost like you said the the, the contrast between this and the previous film was when in that film the the female character was I wouldn't say an equal to Indiana Jones, but she was certainly very strong-willed, robust. And, yeah, she could hold herself. Um, yeah. And was... Uh, she was quite... She was made of sturdier stuff because she didn't really get properly frightened at any point. No. Or, and if she if she was, it was real fright. It wasn't, like, scream the house down, B-movie fright. And with, with this one, they've gone straight for that B-movie queen from from the 30s you know yeah proper damsel in distress yeah that's exactly it but I mean it does make for some really funny bits as well that's the other thing because she plays it so well um, yeah like and there's a nice rhythm to what she does as well I remember like it sticks in my head so much one of my earliest memories of watching the film is because I don't know whether you're the, do you remember watching films as a kid and um, thinking they always started halfway through does that yeah. make any sense like you know what I mean by that is like you'd watch it and you you think that you, you you'd start watching it at half past, and you'd think the film had started at quarter two, whatever. Mm. You'd never think you'd start at the start. And so, like, I took me a while to realise that Indiana Jones and um, Willie didn't know each other. Because yeah. there's a bit. It's, as a kid, this kind of thing can be confusing. So at the start, there's a waiter at the club that isn't really a waiter. He's undercover, and he's Indiana Jones's mate. Um, I just thought they already knew each other because they were talking kind of like they did. <laughs> they had they had a bit of chemistry, but the the rhythm of her speech is uh, so w- when they're in the water and she's saying, "I hate the water, I hate being wet, and I hate you." She does that like so well that that's stuck in my head for thirty years. <laughs> yeah, they they do very quickly go into that sort of old married couple kind of thing. Yeah, and watching it again, she doesn't have to get on that plane with him. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think she's she seems annoyed that her dress has been ruined and her um, yeah. her boyfriend has basically run off and trying to chase him and kill him. But she's kind of fallen in with the wrong crowd. She seemed quite settled there. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'm pretty sure that being the case, I suppose maybe yeah, he's after her as well now. You're right. Maybe she did have to get on the plane. <laughs> I mean, this is one of these things. I mean, it's such a fantastic opening where there is a lot of old school kind of you know it's the dancing's going on this is in a, a club that yeah. yes it's on a set and, and could quite easily be you know I mean, it's a much bigger scale than than one who took the kids to butlins last year <laughs> but yeah. you know so, some of the the choreography that's gone into it the opening and all this is done it ends up with a someone getting stabbed with a kebab stick yeah which is like but you because that opening number with the dance and stuff is all full of joy I know, and then that's the only bit of the film that is because <laughs> everything else is like really downbeat, and even the humour comes from like a very dark place. But that said, it's still like a cartoon. It's like um, so maybe a case could be made that they're doing that deliberately to be like because Tom and Jerry is not Tom and Jerry is incredibly violent. Yeah, uh, like they get skewered on stuff. So maybe they're do- maybe they're saying that it's like that because there's a like you know when he 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 knocks the gong off the ceiling and then uses it as a shield and runs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, runs behind it. That's straight out of a cartoon. That is. It is, yeah. Um, um, and the, just it's like you see that in you know the, the opening of a rank film or something, and this he's hiding behind it. It's almost like parody yeah. in a way. 
This is all in, uh, as we find out, as he jumps out the window, Club Obi-Wan. Yeah, which is, a, that was lost on me as a child. Oh, um, totally, yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, but it's nice that, uh, it is nice that they do that kind of thing, because they've earned it. You know, it's not, it is self-indulgent, but, like, they're Lucas and Spielberg and they made Star Wars and Indiana Jones. Let them, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, if I'd done something as big as Star Wars, I'd want to kind of just drop those things in. Yeah, yeah, and of course it had just come to an end, or so they thought. Um, well, yeah. when when they made that, so it's um it's sort of like like a nice nice little nod. I do enjoy <laughs> that. Get a little smile on my face every time I see that. And all this, we have we have the car chase where they they get to the airport, and um, I didn't realise until this time. It was I Dan Aykroyd. It. Yeah, I, I yeah. Never, never clocked it at all. Ah, Doctor Jones, I'm Al Weber. I spoke with your assistant. Uh, we've managed to secure three seats, but there might be a slight inconvenience as you will be riding on a cargo full of live poultry. I, yeah, I, t- I know. I knew because I, I used to watch credits as a kid. And I would just okay. watch the credits, and I knew Dan Aykroyd was because of Ghostbusters. Mm. And I was like, Dan Aykroyd's in it. And my mum and dad were like, Yeah, he is. Yeah, but they wouldn't tell me who he was. So every time we watched the film, I'd try and spot him, and I never could because he doesn't get a close up, and he's doing yeah. a different voice. So it, t- it, yeah, I, and I think I was in my teens before I clocked who Dan Aykroyd was. I love the part that I suppose. If you're Joe Public, you don't get this very often unless uh, you run onto an airfield and jump into a plane and, and look really smug as you're in it and, and it's wheeling off. Um, it turns out it's the villain's plane, but this is the equivalent of us getting into, I suppose, a Ryanair flight. <laughs> um, you know, that moment is like so well done because I don't think, you know, one of the th- another reason why Indiana Jones is like so good. In terms of like being like having these cornerstones of popular culture, like um, the in, the fight in Raiders where he has the sword wielding display and then he just shoots him, yeah, um, and and things like that. That is, I think, doesn't get as much love, but that moment is as good as that because it's not in any other film where he's like he's so smug, he's won, and yeah. he's off on the plane with the girl, and then it's the villain's name, and he says the villain's name as well because he hasn't said it up to that point. It's that is so well done that that bit. That um, it, yeah, that's one of the best bits in the film, actually. Yeah, it's so so smug, and then it's just you know, he gets the carpet pulled from under him, and he's yeah. the hero. Growing up, you know, watching Star Wars and and this, and you know, there's all these things that, yes, it's great and swashbuckling for the kids, and and then coming back to it, I mean, I'm forty now, um, and watching this and seeing those kind of things going on, and you kind of feel like it, it just works on so many levels. Yeah. And and the fact that they've gone to that, I mean, yes, it, it's in, it's integral to the whole next scene, but it just works perfectly because just in case you didn't know and the villain's name, like you said, he said it two seconds before he shuts the door. Yeah, but even him saying the villain's name doesn't, it doesn't like make you think they're setting up anything because oh, yeah. it's just the it's just the, he would say that nice try and then say his name, um, and then. Uh, you just don't expect to see that as soon as he closes the door. It's it's, uh, it's a joke and a really good, really good plot point because that could have just been a removed opening like any Bond film where like mm. the opening sequence has got nothing to do with the rest of the film. Um, but it it it's why they end up where they end up. It's almost like uh, you know, I mean, a Bond film would be a perfect example when you think about some of the Bond films where especially with Roger Moore, he'd end up in a plane and go off and there'd be a beautiful woman and it would be a first-class private jet. This is a 
plane full of chickens, chickens and all sorts <laughs> yeah. owned by the villain and they just happen to they obviously get a message to the pilot while he's up in the air going lose the plane yeah uh, it it doesn't go well for him, does it? This film. It's like it, it's almost like um, it's almost like the Indiana Jones version of Die Hard. Uh, it's just one thing after another, after uh, another, after another. And again, this is his equivalent of falling down a lift shaft and, and grabbing it. He because uh, there's no parachutes. Him, Willie, and, yeah. and Short Round, who we haven't mentioned yet. He um, he managed to escape this plane in a rubber dinghy. Whichever. It is. That's the that's the other thing because I think and Lucas and Spielberg are really imaginative, mm. so they come they come up with stuff and set pieces that aren't in other films because no one thinks of them. That's why Star Wars is so good because it's just a work of pure imagination. And the same thing with a lot of because Spielberg some Spielberg is like really got a lot of range as a director, so he can make films like The Post. I don't know whether you've seen The Post. No, um, he can make films like that, which is um, lives and dies by. The, the the story being interesting and the performances but he does something wonderful with this fairly straightforward A to B film um, or he can do um, like films that are bananas like um, Indiana mm. Jones or E.T. or Jurassic Park things like that and the, the way I mean this is again just a, an action sequence that you know these, these were the days before computers and I know this you know that there are effects in here there's a part where the dinghy goes down the side of a mountain and off the edge of a cliff um yeah it's it's yes it's silly and yes we know full well they would die quite quickly at this point but you know we're only what 15 20 minutes into the film yeah and it's it's an indiana jones film you know um it's one of those things because i um the fourth one isn't a great film but it's not as bad as everybody makes out. Everybody says that it's so bad because um, it's not as good as Raiders. But what is? Well, it's um, it's still like all right. There are bits I don't like in it, of course. But the fridge, I will defend. <laughs> I'll die on this hill. The fridge is no sillier than a lot of stuff from Indiana Jones films. Yeah. I've got a bigger problem with the gopher at the very start oh, of the fourth film. Yeah, it just looks fake. But the fridge, fi- I'm fine with the fridge. If I'm fine with them uh, surviving that fall from the plane. And I'm, I'm, and, 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 and am I all right with the, um, the, the, the black magic that goes on? And can't believe that. Yeah, I'll believe he can survive a nuclear explosion in a fridge. Yeah. Fine with it. That's a good advert for the fridge. I mean, bear in mind. Yeah, you true. know, we, even at this point, we're still potentially a couple of years away from a fifth Indiana Jones film. I mean, what, what's he yeah. going to survive then? I tell you, um, I did. Um, I think actually, it must be because I knew um, that I'd be talking about Temple of Doom. But there's um there's a charity live stream that happens occasionally run by um a comedy fan fiction night where comedians read it, read out silly fan fiction that they've written. Um and I got asked to do a video for one of these live streams and I I decided I'd do Indiana Jones. But um I did him as uh an eighty six year old man in nineteen eighty five in a nursing home. <laughs> because you know when we were talking about how um this came out in 1984 and it's set in 1935 that's not even 50 years Mm. so if you were to do an Indiana Jones film now with the same time difference it would happen in 1971 which wouldn't have the same sort of like feel would it no which is my biggest like complaint about them doing a new Indiana Jones film it's like I'd love to see a new Indiana Jones film but it would have to now be set in the 60s or the 70s and that doesn't feel right yeah you wonder about the various things I mean in this one like you said they explore 
a version of black magic and what are they going to do in the early 70s you know are they going to be on some sort of mu- music yeah. scene or something like that yeah they're going to do I, I just i feel like they'll do something like the moon landing oh yeah because it, it, it feels like he's night what well, he's well he's going to be 80 by the time it comes out but he's like playing age he could pass for like late 60s mm. so they could do the moon landing yeah. i reckon or uh keep it really political and do something like watergate yeah watergate um I, I think he's too old for JFK. I don't think they could do JFK. Yeah, that, that, that would have um, only been a couple of years after Crystal Skull, I think. I think that was supposed to be like 57, wasn't yeah, it, or something? Right. I don't know. That kind of worked. You could get away with Indiana Jones in the 50s because it's still mm. it be, it's before like um it's before it's before the swinging 60s, <laughs> like the Cultural Revolution. I don't know. Yeah. The 50s felt wrong, but not as wrong. Yeah, in the seventies, they'd have to give them some flares and sideburns and things like that. Mm. But this one being set in the thirties kind of means that them rocking up at a village, a village like that, doesn't feel totally out of place. The attitudes with how it's dealt and the way the the villagers are dealt could be a little bit better. But you know what I mean? It's not like they didn't land in Delhi, did no. they? That's because they have to get they have to get to Delhi. It feels it feels dodgy, but. It also feels like this is, this is kind of how India would have been depicted in the thirties as well. Yeah. If the if if the film was being made when it was set, I think that was their kind of thinking. I think when this is the, something again we we go back to. It's hard, you know. I mean, not many people will have known what an Indian village in nineteen thirty five would have been like. No. Um, I mean, it's easy to... certainly not a village that remote because yeah. they 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 are at pains to point out that they are it is remote where they are. Yeah. And also because I mean, like they have this they have magic stones. Yeah. That are proven to be magic as well. It's not superstition. They're not stupid for thinking these stones are magic. They are magic. This, these aren't magic beans or anything like this. this... No. <laughs> but I mean, like, because they because the, the 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 village is devastated because the magic stone has been stolen. And it's very easy. It'd be very easy to mock them and be like stupid idiots, superstition, and that. But then the stones are actually—they're proven right. Mm. The stones are magic. And again, it kind of plays on. I suppose whether it's a fear, like an old child catcher thing, because they've taken all the children as well from the village. Well, again, I mean, is that did he lose kids in the divorce? Because this <laughs> feels very uh, like relevant. We took our kids. This is where he starts dressing up as I'll be a different superhero. He dress up at weekends and climb up a. Whatever the local of the Hollywood sign yeah. or something like that. <laughs> yes, but sort of seeing this, and again, we have more scenes for Willie to to show off the the elephant ride, where they're going off to this palace where they think all this stuff's happening, all this where they've taken the stones and the children, and it's um, mostly her screaming. And I'm sure I saw maybe it was on IMDb or, or Google. Throughout the film, she screamed seventy one times. The biggest trouble with her is the noise. It's excessive. Yeah. It's excessive. I feel like part that's part of the joke, yeah. though, and that's part of her. I, I, I haven't got a, as big a problem with Willie as a lot of people do when they talk about this film because I think um, it feels like Kate Capshaw, who plays her, gets it and is doing it deliberately and is doing it well so like some of the funniest bits with her um are you know when she's in the room waiting for him to come <laughs> yeah. like she's hilarious in that she just falls off the bed at one point 
and it's just a really nice bit of physical comedy yeah. when she she sees how opulent the palace is and she thinks fi- she finally feels like things are starting to go her way and then the Maharaja's a kid <laughs> she's like, the way she's so disappointed I don't know I, I don't think the performance is going to come in for a, um, a re-evaluation or anything but I feel like it should. It's better than people give it credit yeah. for. Yeah, I, I think you know. Again, this is where we kind of separate the the role and the actress, and you know, absolutely. That was where, and and she said in in a later interview that it wasn't particularly well written character, but she did what she did with it, which makes it more impressive. Yeah. Then, if like it wasn't that as well written, or if she didn't think it mm. was, then I think she did incredible work with it because she comes out like um, as a pastiche. Mm. And also, she's memorable, you know? When you think of, like... Um, uh, yeah. When you think of Last Crusade, and admittedly, it's because there's not much of a love interest in Last Crusade. It's mostly the double act with his dad. Um, but you don't really remember much about Alison no. Doody as as her as her part. But like, you, re- you remember Willie Scott from Temple of Doom. And this is where, like you mentioned, she's... Um, again, we've already found out that she has been with a Chinese gangster... She's now interested in a Maharaja because, again, that's the way her character's portrayed. I mean, I, I yeah, I suppose you, you don't always think about these cultures where a child is, you know, the, the ruler, or even if it's just a kind of nominal one because they're already there with a the prime minister. But around this part with this kid, who must be what eleven or twelve, all I could think about was then he was just like a prototype version of the queen from the phantom menace <laughs> do you know that i hadn't thought of that but um but yeah the, it could be it could be i suppose i mean like it's not um it's the sort of thing that they might have done in temple of doom and then lucas might have squirreled yeah. it away and been like oh that would be that would be good because that um i don't know whether his plan was always to start with anakin as a child but it makes the love intro like i know it's still a, there's still an age gap but it it makes it less weird <laughs> If uh, the queen is already fully grown and then meets Anakin yeah, as a child, been, if she's already like an a- adolescent, yeah, uh, if that's been the other way around, that would have been weird. I mean, it's weird anyway. I think. <laughs> um, also, that I mean, I know, I know, it's not mm. what we're talking about, but the bit where where they where the, the way they fall in love in the oh. second in Attack of the Clones is one of the worst written love stories I've ever seen. Um, well, that I mean, again. Like, we, I suppose we, we're still in a similar universe. We're talking about George Lucas, but um, that they were all the, yeah, the jokes uh, in when they were making Star Wars was that they would take the piss out of him saying Type you can't it. write stuff, and a lot of the lines that became you know that whole "I love you, I know" yeah. that wasn't a George Lucas line because they said that everything that had been written was dreadful, <laughs> and well, they had to almost semi-improvise it. Yeah, I think then um, I think that's where Harrison Ford's kind of grumpiness works in his film's favour because he came up with the shooting the sword guy in Raiders as well Mm. didn't he yeah Um, but I think yeah, it was Harrison Ford I think that said that quote to George Lucas he went you can type this shit but you can't say it and this part again where we're at the palace and this is something that again is one of the things that's thrown at the film for being I mean a lot of it's been called racist but it is just a it is a parody it's just kind of like oh Look at it, but it could well be a parody. What well, you mean with the food? food. Um, yeah, I think, I, th- I think, I think, yeah, it's um, it's meant to be. It's unfortunate that it's set where it's set because they. Mm. I, th- I think 
the palace itself is supposed to be weird yeah. isn't it because of all the stuff that's going on there um but that doesn't come across really it it kind of i i can see why people read it as they've landed in india isn't it funny in india mm. but they you know they're not i mean they're given food proper food in the village and they make a point of saying these people are starving you know and they're offering you food um when they get to the palace the palace is meant to be something else like weird and alien and totally different because the rest of the film is a little bit icky it kind of gets mudded a little bit and a bit muddled and i think i don't think the intentions come off very well there no um, but then but then you bear in mind i mean this came out a year after octopussy which <laughs> with the sheep's I mean, head yeah well at least this was set in the 30s <laughs> that's, that's a very good yeah. that's a very good point yeah octopus oh dear that's uh, uh yeah that's uh, yeah. do you know there's something the weird, the thing, weird thing about octopus is that it's genuinely quite fun and mm. not as bad a bond film as people remember but it has got moments like that which are uh, yeah um <laughs> But I mean, the thing about that—the horrible food that they get served up—is really meant to be a funny scene because it horrifies. It's supposed to be through the eyes of um, Willie, isn't it? Yeah. And she's already having like a terrible time. She's like, she doesn't even like, um, she doesn't even like holding a gun because it'll crack a nail. So she's supposed to be putting, being put through the ringer. Having all of this horrible food is just meant to be another bit of that, I think. I suppose as well, if you're a kid watching this and you see snakes coming out of other snakes yeah. and yeah and it's meant to be a cartoon isn't it i mean i never as a kid it never really even when i was watching it as a child i never thought that's what it's like in india i thought yeah. this is a weird place they've ended up because that's what it's meant to be they're in this because obviously we don't know yet what's going on with the palace but we know that something's doing like we know they've gone there because that's where the kids have gone there's mm. no surprise to find out the kids are there because they're looking for the kids and they've gone to this palace so it's already like this, this is the villain's lair so it's weird just like a dark version of Willy Wonka's factory instead of chocolate they've got eyeballs yeah yeah and like chilled monkey brains for dessert and, and the weird stuff. thing is once I actually found out that what it was made of I was actually quite interested it was was it custard and raspberry sauce or something like that I, 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 I don't know I, I, you yeah, know I, more than I, I looked. Do. I had a look and I thought that actually sounds quite good <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I remember because we because you said you watched it as a kid at school, mm. but like it's the sort of film that gets put on in the afternoons now, um, yeah. with a couple of cuts. So they do cut because I first watched it on a VHS tapes from the telly, mm. and uh, I remember now because I watched films so often as a kid taped off the telly that when I actually saw them later in life, the bits that they cut out from the telly look odd because they, they're not how <laughs> I remember them. It's not the rhythm in my brain. So there's an extra bit in that scene where um there's a bloke that's actually just putting the snakes into his mouth yeah like with his two Ooh. hands um that was never on the version i watched so every time i see it now i'm like oh yeah i mean with the same with um i think it was they showed it on telly quite recently it might have been over easter and um i saw a couple of people were commenting on which bits were cut out and which weren't but um you know it is that line where i suppose if this was the jokes they made in South Park, wasn't it? You can cut, you can leave in all sorts of stuff, but you can't leave in in other stuff. Um, and some of the things that, if you look on the when they classify the films and they leave the details of what they leave in and what they cut out and some of the stuff in there, yeah. 
the Vermin dispelled litters with it. But yeah, it was a PG. You could have seen it at the cinema if you were a kid. Yeah. Uh, PG had come in by 1984, hadn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think it had been in maybe four or five years. Yeah, because I knew it because it was, it was A up until... Up until like nineteen eighty one or two or something. I know that twelve didn't come in until the early nineties. Or was that Batman? That, Batman. That was Batman. Wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah eighty nine then. So, like, I reckon probably a few years later it would have been a twelve and could have kept some of the stuff. But I mean, even in this part, you know, they, they don't mention that in the the classification thing. I've got it here, and I mean, there's talk about the violence and the, I mean, the fantasy horror. But mm. it's the closest they get is encounters with large insects. <laughs> Actually, that's yeah, that's um, because they creep people out to watch, mm. don't they? So that would have been tough going for some people. Well, um, this is the part you mentioned earlier when when they have that scene between Willie and, and Indy where they're in each other's, you know, he's in her room and they <laughs> have given the whole five minutes and yeah, that's this is good. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's there's a bit of tension. There's that between them, but there's also this is Willie, who isn't the damsel in distress, where she becomes the kind of sultry. Yeah, you want you want this, don't you? Mm. Well, it's like yeah, she's finally she got she's got a nice bedroom and mm. comfy pajamas. Like she and and she gets some she gets an apple, which she she's like. She, this <laughs> is another thing. I know it sounds stupid, and I'm gonna I'm, I, I I feel like this has turned into the Kate Capshaw defense league, <laughs> but like she makes you feel like that apple is the most delicious food anyone's ever eaten mm. it's like it's it, she does it she she's a really good performer and like so i've already said like she fell off the bed it's a nice bit of physical comedy and also there's another bit as well where indy finds the secret passage and he goes through um by pushing that statue um and she wants to try it as well but she's a bit he- hesitant about touching its boobs <laughs> like that's funny and she yeah. does it in a really nice way um actually do you know what if it weren't for her this film would be like relentlessly bleak mm. when you actually because most of the laughs come from her and what she does like if it was just indiana jones and short round god that'd be depressing imagine you got short round who's his sidekick who ends up at one point being taken and tortured and chained up by yeah this chain, gang. chain gang yeah you know, and he's supposed to be light relief as well. Yeah, and um, Andy gets a proper brutal fight by himself as well. The two kids, when mm. the when the Maharaja's been all voodooed, they like they properly go for each other. And I think uh, when Indy's under the spell, he gives him a good wallop as well. Yeah, that's true. Okay. And also, actually, when um, it's in, it's interesting having a child character in it because um, when um, when Indiana Jones gets turned. That's actually quite frightening because yeah. you can imagine what it would be like for short round. It's like, oh, if Indiana Jones isn't around, what's going to happen? Because he's the guy that's yeah. going to fix it. Uh, when, when this part with the big creatures, when again I, I, I wrote booby traps, it wasn't deliberately as they're pushing <laughs> boobs to get oh, in. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and this was just like a bush tucker trial. You know, they, they're caught in this Indian short round are caught in this chamber. You know, again, it's like out of Star Wars, isn't it? With a Instead yeah. of the walls closing in, it's the ceiling which has spikes in. Yeah, um, I really love that um, that whole sequence. Mm. Like everybody's on top form. Like the three actors, Spielberg um, and John Williams in particular, because um, the music starts up again when she hits everything. Yeah. You know, when she comes running in, it's the same <laughs> music over and over again. It has that very like really 
massive sense of here we go again like yeah. it's it's really like properly well put together also my favorite um reach under the closing door for a hat moment that is well that was really because um again when i mean obviously when, he, when he's done it before but this you know even watching it now and i don't know how many times i've seen this film and you see the big door coming down because it's got the spike thing or the, the thing at the bottom that goes into the floor yeah you're thinking you actually worry like shit, he didn't lose his arm there even though, yeah it's um yeah. uh yeah that's i think that's my why might be one of my favorites because the hole is so small that they, they get into this big call it an auditorium essentially you've got all these guys worshipping and this um what they call thuggy cult, they're called the thuggy cult or i think yeah. sometimes they pronounce it tuggy yeah. um but um yeah that again they're they're framed very much as this is uh this is a cult and they're the bad yeah. guys um it, it's not that it, it's not that um the Indian people are the bad guys. It's not like a Bond film where the Russians are the villains. Yeah. It's like th- these these are these are a, this is a bad group of people, um, and also most of them are under control, aren't they? As well, it's not like I think actually a lot of people will get a lot of characters get redemption from this because um, the voodoo plot subplot explains that a lot of them are just kind of like under like being brainwashed. They, I think, the idea is that once you've drank the blood then you're in this kind of eternal nightmare. Yeah, and which is... That's, again, that's horrible. <laughs> imagine, that, imagine that with your kid. And you're oh. thinking, oh, no, no wonder some of them have trouble sleeping. I mean, I'm trying to think of my three-year-old scene template doing. <laughs> it was my favourite one as a kid. Of the three, it was my favourite Indiana Jones. It's not now, <laughs> but uh, when I was a kid. I think it's because there's so many things to latch onto as a kid. All the weird visuals and... Um, you can say like as a, as a child like the Nazi villains kind of blend in between Crusade and Raiders but with yeah. Temple of Doom it's like you know which one you're talking about uh, the plane crash at the start and yeah the the, 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 the dinghy the horrible dinner scene um, the creepy crawlies in the catacombs like it's all what's the word it's got an identity is what I mean like it's yeah. it's it's that one that's the one and in the way that it's different, because I think they did say the bits I was reading about how they wanted to get away from the fact that it was the Nazis as the villains. Yeah. And again, with this being technically a prequel, it goes, you know, because otherwise it'd be weird if Indiana Jones fights the Nazis, then goes off to fight an Indian cult and then goes back to the Nazis again. But I mean, it could have, I mean, like what, what, I mean, the Nazis hadn't occupied that bit of India. Like he, he could, he could have still done the whole I get why they did it it just it, just, yeah. it feels very strange and also some of the jokes then um, are odd because like you know the um, uh, the callback to he wants to shoot the sword guy uh, and he yeah, hasn't got the yeah. gun in the thing in if you watch the films in sequence then you're like oh that's annoying because he worked yeah. for him last time whereas from Indy's point of view it's like oh one of these days this will work and then it does <laughs> so it, it becomes even more triumphant Kind of loses the spontaneity a little bit of uh, Raiders. Yeah, but I mean, no. Every this is the thing. Everybody knows that. Yeah. Which film came first? It's like I am. Um, uh, I'm a big Doctor Who fan, and uh, last the last time I did a marathon from start to finish, mm. I threw in a couple of the audios. Okay. Which are, um, which were made way after the original series, but 
set in between or before or whatever uh, I had an argument with somebody on a Doctor Who message board because they were <laughs> <laughs> um, they would say things like oh well of course um, uh, because the Vashta Narada were introduced uh, in Tom Baker's era and I'm like that's demonstrably untrue <laughs> <They're> <laughs> in, like they they, they they were in a Tom Baker story but 10 years after they were fought David Tennant on the TV so you can't say they're but it, like, he was like no I think of it chronologically and I'm like that's bollocks yeah. bollocks uh, like because Raiders was made first, it's st- Temple is still a sequel. Yeah. I know, I know that I know that people are like oh it's set one year before. But, um, um, I if, think in this way it works so well in that the stories don't necessarily feed into one another. So again, it, yeah. this this works both ways. Uh, no, I, I I and that's why I think it works like that in a way. It kind of made you think. It showed you that you could do anything with Indiana Jones in the same way that you could do anything with James Bond. It's just sort of like same character, new adventure. And Temple of Doom is really good at that because it's so unlike Raiders of the Lost Ark that you could even put a different hero in it. Yeah. It's like they're so, like they're such different films. Wear your jewels to bed, princess. Yeah. And nothing else. It shock you? Nothing shocks me. A scientist. So, as a scientist, you do a lot of research. Always. And what sort of research would you do on me? Nocturnal activities. You mean like what sort of cream I put on my face at night? What position I like to sleep in? Mating customs. I mean, like things like Star Wars, which is a saga. Yeah, they matter because there's a, there's an overall story. Whereas, why? I think that's why Indiana Jones is like you never write it off when they say um, there'll be a new one because mm. they could make it. Well, people have made shitter ideas work. <laughs> the, yeah. like, um, there are worse ideas than a new Indiana Jones film, but people have made it work. So it's I'm not ruling. I'm not just writing it off straight away. I mean, the four, the last one was disappointing, but that doesn't mean the next one will be. They might be able to find an angle. Um, and yeah. but it would be like what is the point if yeah it was an ongoing story that it feels like it's already over I, I feel like and, and with Crystal Skull I know because I'm me I will still go and see it I will still go in there thinking Please. yeah yeah I know and I mean because I, I, I remember actually I think Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull like it was still exciting hearing that music on the big screen yeah um regardless of <laughs> what images it went with like it's still like that that music and i'm seeing it on the big screen because mm. and you know when i came along i couldn't see any of them i also saw them all on telly so be interesting to see if they do a sequel to this but um i mean with, with this one for example um you know we, we we're in a human sacrifice element but again if you know for, for a film that came out in in the mid 80s aimed at kids, albeit maybe slightly older than, than, than us, having someone below, having their heart ripped out, it's still beating, and then lowered into a pit of lava, yeah. and and then the heart burst into flames. Yeah, like, that's, the the other thing is, going back to what I was saying earlier, that was not in the version I had taped off the telly. <laughs> that was, a, like, so it was always weird, I didn't understand what he was doing, I was like, what's it... How did his how did his heart appear? Uh, yeah, I was like, what is he doing? How is he doing this? 
Uh, and also because the, the guy stays alive even when the heart's ripped out and yeah. it's um so yeah as a kid none of that registered but um well yeah watching it back properly as it was intended even as a grown-up i was like <laughs> you see this whole display and in this stadium auditorium whatever um and i guess if you're in any doubt as to who's the good guy and who's the bad guy mm. it's the people who are doing human sacrifice and there are so many skulls. Everything's a huge <laughs> skull. And it's just like, yeah, it's like that Mitchell and Webb thing with the Nazis. Oh, going, yeah. Are we the baddies? Yeah, yeah. And it is just like, we're in front of all these skulls ripping people's hearts out. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting that, because that, as, as a villain, he's really good, because he's like, he's like just a, a wrongan from the off. Yeah. Not that memorable a performance, and not that, like, he hasn't, he hasn't got much to say, and the actor himself isn't like he's not award-winning good is he but like he's memorable because of how the i think it's i think that's down to spielberg and the script because he's like he's mm. framed straight away as quite formidable as well yeah he's big and yeah. i suppose if, if you can rip out a heart with your fingers and, uh, and then and then sort of like yeah. l- laughing about it as well it's so sort of, it's all really normal for him because like, that's such a horrible place <laughs> to be even doesn't matter whether you're evil or not like it would be much better to sleep upstairs in the palace wouldn't it um yeah. but th- like they seem well at home down there it's horrible and at this point yeah, indy finds the stones and as you said earlier this is where we find out the stones aren't well, yeah you know they, they work the whole idea that when they get together they make create this power and light yeah. you know i mean yes they, they look like potatoes with scratches <laughs> in but they light up and of course they're displayed in the eyes and nose of a skull that's true yeah um <laughs> and it makes me think where the other two were going to go because you know because as a kid i was yeah. like oh they're looking for the other two missing ones because there's five apparently and mm. it's like oh but the three they go well together like you're going to ruin the skull display when you find the other two one in each ear yeah maybe the ears um, when uh, you know when he said there were potatoes with scratches on mm. when they say back at the start when they get to the village and they're explaining that the stone has been taken and, and Indiana Jones is asking he's, he describes it to them and he's like was it this did it have three lines across yeah. it um, the guy that's nodding along and reaffirming what he's saying I, I, I love that he's so normal about it he goes mm, yeah that's right mm, yeah. yeah that's one yeah Mm, yeah, that's it's the, nothing. Nothing grand. It's, yeah, just exactly as you described. Mm, mm, Indy really is the font of all knowledge, isn't it? Yeah, but I I like when they play on that actually. Mm. When you remember that, like I I like the idea that he's um uh, he's a a teacher first and foremost, and this is just like he just gets into these scrapes. This is his weekend jollies. He's uh yeah, I like I like that about him. James Bond's sphere of experience is these things are going to happen to him because of what he does. Whereas with Indiana Jones, it's like he's kind of like a reluctant hero because he's just a teacher. I like that. And then this is the other thing with comparing Indiana Jones to Bond is that, um, you know, we went through, this was about the same era in the, in the Roger Moore films. If they'd ask, I think it was Octopussy as well, they asked him about the Fabergé eggs. And immediately he says, oh, yes, they were made by the stone, Carl yeah. Fabergé. And immediately he knows all this. And you kind of think, how? But with Indiana Jones, yeah, and I, he is a doctor and this is his yeah, life. You're right. You're right. And I might actually, um, I might actually uh, say something offensive to your listeners. But um, I, as a big Bond fan, Roger Moore's my least favourite. And uh, I know that's unusual. Um, but 
uh, part of that is because whenever he does that thing, he comes across as a twat. <laughs> so like whenever James Bond is like, yes, I know all of this. It's like, shut up, you fucking prick. Whereas when Indiana Jones does it, it's like, oh, t- like he does it in a really like respectful way. <laughs> he doesn't make anybody listening to him um, feel like a moron. Whereas Roger Moore's Bond is an absolute bellend. <laughs> I mean, we had that discussion on one of the pods, but when we did it in Raiders, when the government people came to ask India about the Ark of the Covenant, and he had this book, and all of a sudden he was this giddy schoolboy. Yeah. And he was like, oh my God, you're going to ask me about this thing? Oh my God, I love this. He's like talking to a 15-year-old girl about One Direction or whoever's popular at the moment. Yeah, like the Indiana Jones is like very, like he's gruff and uh, and... He plays dirty, like he at the at the very very start of Temple of Doom, to get leverage over Lochet, he goes straight for sticking a fork in <laughs> Willie Scott, yeah. and he's like, "You do this or I'll kill her." It's like fucking hell, you're supposed to be the hero of this film, um, but you still like him. Whereas whereas Bond does less, and you hate him for it, or at least I do. <laughs> like um, the, again, Octopus is a really good comparison because it came out the year before, uh, and is set in India. And it kind of goes to show, like, some of the things they got wrong with Bond in the 80s that they did right with Indiana Jones. So um, there's a bit in Octopussy where he gets given his hidden camera mm. and he just uses it straight away to perv on yeah. the woman's uh, boobs in close-up. And it's like, oh, God, oh, ugh, you, I hate you. <laughs> um, but with Indiana Jones, like, like I say, he starts the film by sticking a fork in her side. Yeah. <laughs> and I still like him. <laughs> and even here, when... This is the part. I mean, he's tortured and whipped, and the uh, the little king fucker has the voodoo doll that we see. I mean, I mean, I guess yeah. the little king fucker. <laughs> I like that. I like, I like that as a as a name for him. That's his weekend name. Um, but he has this voodoo doll, and you kind of think like, I'm amazed, and I don't remember, you know, much. But when I was a kid, and all I had as toys I had Star Wars and Transformers and everything with merchandise. I wonder if that voodoo doll was available to buy. <laughs> Do you know what? If it wasn't, I bet it is now. I bet. Yeah. I bet. I bet there's a. I bet there's a company that sort of like manufactures them, and you can get them. You get them off not on the high street. I it's think really cool that they did, they went as far as to put his hat on, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. There was um, his. Yeah. They must have a little factory in the back there making right. Who's this weird stranger we've had come to stay with us? Yeah. Do you think? Because I don't know how voodoo works. Of course I don't. Well, but um, uh, do you think that the voodoo gods need? a really specific visual representation otherwise they get it wrong because if they didn't put the hat on Indiana Jones he would have just looked like any other bloke yeah because so they might have got the, the wrong person yeah. yeah so if you put the pin in him would the voodoo doll would the voodoo gods have been like oh, alright and then hope for the best and then some accountant in Shoreditch was <laughs> <laughs> just like doubled over in pain he was like oh we better put the hat on so they know but then does it only work when, cause when Indiana Jones has his hat on but it also works when he doesn't have the hat on. So that's true. That's true. But but it's it's just that so that the gods know that they're talking about Indiana yeah. Jones. <laughs> they didn't have a little one for short round and one for Willie as well. Uh, if they'd have had a little one for short round, you can guarantee that would have been a racist depiction. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like one of those old WWF wrestling pillow types. Yeah. Um, and, and they talk about their plan. And um, was it Mola Ram, the the villain? He was talking about we'll defeat the British, the Muslims, the Hebrew God. And it's just like it sounded like Donald Trump. Actually, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. The, do you know what? There aren't two other stones. 
<laughs> there are not there aren't two other stones because uh it would ruin the display like that's evidence for that and i think if his followers of the question would be like um why are you why have you made up these two stones and he'd be like ask china that question i don't know <laughs> uh i mean again but then we when we go to find the mines and all the kids are being whipped i mean that's just like <sighs> the fulfillment center of your local amazon <laughs> yes, it is it is um, but it, I mean, what an image for Spielberg to put in because it's so like, you know, if he makes films like Schindler's List or Munich, which are dealing with real events, like obviously don't shy away from them. But he's made this up. He doesn't. They yeah. don't have to show these kids being whipped. But, um, that uh, so it, it's that that's why it's like a really telling glimpse into their collective way of thinking at the time because yeah. if like this was a genuine story about a real child slavery plot that was foiled then yeah show that of course it's part of the story but this th it feels really out of place with the kind of like cartoony um joy of the other indiana jones films that's why it's that's why it's like uh, a un unique in the four of them I mean, I'll always say, and, and again, I've, I've joked about this before, and on, on the Patreon feed for, for the podcast, I've got three tiers, and I've ranked them in order of my preference of the film. <laughs> and I've got Raiders as the top one, then Crusade, then Temple. But then you kind of think, like, maybe even though Temple is, is the lower of the three tiers, you know, should I make it darker? Should I, make, <laughs> you know, should I involve something else? You know, it's... Um, totally out of sync with the rest of them but um, yeah I mean I, I kind of you know when I, I talked about this when I mentioned that I was watching it the other night and yes there were parts of it I kind of think oh my god this film is ridiculous in, in ways that the others aren't and yet the high points of the film are as good as the others. I mean that the, the, the rope bridge oh, is yeah. that's great and, and, and even, even the opening is um it's got bits in it that uh, that make you go, oh god! But that's really well put together. The um, yeah. uh, uh, the whole sequence with um, them both waiting for each other in their rooms. Oh, um, yeah. There's yeah, there's so many like I th I think it's one of those things where even uh, and I'm not saying that he w this is below past Spielberg because it's still a good film, I think. Um, mm. But even when Spielberg isn't firing on all cylinders, it's still very watchable. Oh, yeah. Um, I saw Ready Player One the other day, and mm. I kind of avoided it because people had told me to. Um, and I don't know whether that... I don't, maybe it's just because just I'm a contrarian, but I was like, I'm just gonna, it'll be an easy watch because Spielberg is like um, very good at what he does. Um, I had a, had a nice time. wasn't anything earth-shattering. But um, it was it was fine. He 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 knows his way around a film. <laughs> I see. Yeah, I saw that for the first time maybe a couple of months ago, and I I sat there just thinking it was a little bit like watching one of these new Star Wars films where I didn't realise how much extra of the nostalgia stuff he'd chuck in. I mean, I was almost I know there were sort of throwbacks to Jurassic Park yeah. and Back to the Future and stuff. I was obviously expecting more Indiana Jones bits sort of dotted around or. Or something like that. Yeah, and um, I liked, I liked sort of like just all all of a sudden being caught off guard by RoboCop walking into frame, <laughs> yeah. and uh, um, 
And and that's is he selling selling house insurance like he is at the moment. Y- yeah, is he? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's a, is one of the uh, insurance company adverts on TV at the moment. Is as Robocop. Oh right, I didn't know that. Oh, that's cool. uh, that's interesting. I think um, uh, so. I, I think because it's demonstrably the weaker of the first three Indiana Jones films, mm. but it's still got in like it's still it's still a good film. I have a good time watching it. Um, there are just things in it that stand out more so than the other two. I mean, at this part we've had Indiana Jones as sort of under the spell. Uh, Willie's about to be sacrificed, and there's a sort of peril up, down, up, down into the lava. Um, they managed to escape. Um, <laughs> I've forgotten the up, down, up, down. That that's you <laughs> see that's funny as well. Like that kind of punctuates this hugely tense um, scene with a bit of some laughs. Yeah, and it works because again, while this is going on, you've got um, Indiana Jones is sort of pretending to still be under this spell. Yeah. Uh, short, he's had to basically set fire to him to snap him out of it and they fight some random goons yeah. um, and Mola Ram escapes and it's like a sort of proper Doctor Evil there sort of thing just rolls under the big skull yeah it's good job they had that installed isn't it yeah it's almost like they planned these things yeah that's another when um, when he finally gets his faculties back like the Indiana Jones theme is one of the best pieces of cinema music I think it's. I oh. think it's better than the Star Wars theme, because um, uh, it's really like it's like really triumphant. And it's one that's weird. Like uh, again, you think you know this film is the Indiana Jones music, and it wasn't. It wasn't played at the start of Raiders of the Lost Ark, and it wasn't played at the start of this. Um, that's a very you hear good at point, the end. Yeah. But it, the film, you know, it's famous despite you know it's not Star. I mean, John Williams. It's not Star Wars. Not yeah. Superman. Um, but you hear it throughout and you know exactly that it's like, okay, in, Indy's on the rise here. Mm. Yeah, you're right. And, and actually, the whole track is really nice. I think I think the full the full track is about like four minutes long, and it's um, uh, it's a really nice listen. Take like it's the there's a sad, con- uh, con- contemplative bit, and then there's a really like the bit where it kicks in is fantastic. And they when they're escaping, they they start helping the, the child slaves overrun their guards. We get the sort of the main fight between Indy and this large henchman goon type um, while they're fighting. And yet the, the little king, fucker, he, um, <laughs> he, he has the voodoo doll and shortly goes to fight him. And there's the nice bit where the punches between, you know, by shorty and Indy are being thrown sort of at the same time. Yeah. No, yeah, th- yeah. There's that's there's a nice care put into the fact that like, cause he's he's like his ward in the film, so like Ooh. he's learning from him and stuff. Earlier on, there was a bit where he's copying him by air fighting. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's put in there, I think, to be called back to when they're actually having this fight, and it's kind of in tam- tandem. I like the I like the running joke of the big guy as well, because that he crops up in all three. Well, the first three, doesn't yeah. it? That sort of thing. He's, I been, like. he's been in, I think, God knows, I mean, it's Pat Roach. I don't know how many times, because he was in this, he was in Never Say Never Again, yes. and Conan the Barbarian, and... Um, uh, every Design Pet. Yeah, and uh, a few Jim Davidson specials. Yeah, <laughs> or oh, was he? I didn't know that. Um, yeah, um, but yeah, again, you know, in, Indy beats him, and he meets a very sticky end as well. 
Um, Literally. Yeah. Uh, again, yeah, they don't hold back, do they? I mean, having having said that though, in Raiders, um, he has a particularly nasty end as well. Yeah. Um, this is as as bad. Yeah, it is. It is. But then, then like it all kicks off. Like, what a great, um, what a great idea to have a runaway minecart sequence. Oh, superb! It's amazing. Again, seeing. I mean, yes, it is built on a, essentially a roller coaster, but it's just yeah, so amazing how on what is essentially a roller coaster they've managed to get two going side by side and all the various bits and. Yeah, I mean, it's the sort of thing that it falls down when you start to inspect it, but they're meant to be... It's like you said earlier when you said fantasy horror, like fantasy is the key word for these films. Um, like, they're not meant to be... It's like, again, it's like it's like when I couldn't understand... I, I could understand why people were disappointed in the film, but I couldn't understand why people were so upset about the fridge in Crystal Skull. Because I'm like, it's Indiana Jones. It's not meant to be an archaeological expose of what it was like in the 1950s. You know what I mean? It's not like, oh, I'll, I'll go to Indiana Jones to see how they practiced archaeology back in the 30s. No, go <laughs> there for like massively fun escapist adventure. Um, Does he have a fossil brush? Uh, yeah, you know what I mean. And it is nice to see the professional side of his life when he's teaching and when he's, uh, like you say, when he gets excited about stuff. But this is. This is like this is just a fun sequence. Like it's again, it's like they're like live action cartoons. The Indiana Jones yeah. films. This one in particular, like the um, uh, like and then being then being chased by a huge vat of water. <laughs> like, like how much water is in that vat that it wouldn't just run off a little bit? Like because that is a big old tunnel they go down. Yeah, and yet it still comes out when they make it to yeah. the um, it still comes out of some almighty force. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, the whole thing is it's fantastic. I think, again, it's, it's not like you're going to Fort Park or anything like that, no. but you know, health and safety executive would kick off, I think, at the wheels coming off the rails. But like I say, I mean, cartoon is the best way to describe it as they're, you know, they're essentially having a tug of war, you know, across carts and being chased by sword-wielding, faceless goo. Yeah. Um, and the speed that they go down, and again, you've got the bit where Oh, there's a bit of track missing. We've got to jump over it. Yeah, and and I mean, if you needed any more evidence about the fact that it's a live-action cartoon, when he uses his feet to stop <laughs> it, and then his feet are on fire, that's Wiley e. Coyote. That's Tom and Jerry yeah. all over. That's like, it's um, this. I think I think one of the reasons this film poses a problem for a lot of people in like now, thirty-five years on, is because it's really hard to get a handle on its tone. Because at some points it's just cartoonishly silly, and then at other points it's just relentlessly dark. Um, so some people are, they don't know what to make of it. I think. Mm. Um, and again, one, one thing I noticed I can't remember how it came up. Um, there was an interview with Harrison Ford. I think it might have been after Raiders of Lost Ark, and they were saying about the boots that he wears in this. You can buy them now. Not I mean not the real ones, but you can buy those line of boots for about they're about five hundred quid. Really? And they're the sort that, yeah, you probably would see an accountant insured it wearing, um, because apparently he moaned that he, when he was a carpenter before he made it as an actor, he said, "I wore these boots and I want to wear them as, you know, Indiana Jones." And I think, well, I'm not sure if it's a good advert for him. I mean, yes, he can stop a mine cart, but they also catch fire. <laughs> yeah. Or you get for five hundred quid. I get, but like, it's 
you think that's such a like breakneck scene with the um, with the minecart, and then right before that, it goes down to the wire where he might almost get crushed, and then right before that, he's got to fight off all these people. Um, and then right, be- like this film doesn't really ever let up. It's such, that's why I mean, it's like such a bad day for him. <laughs> like it doesn't really, um, ne- it never lets up. Like it's one thing after another, and then as soon as they get off that minecart. And they're like, oh, that's over, thank God. I managed to stop it yeah. with my feet. Like, then they've got to escape the water. Then they're on the then they're on this sheer cliff face. Then you think, oh, brilliant, they're um, they're out in the open and it's all fine. And then Molaram just shows up. <laughs> and they're like, oh, <laughs> it doesn't ever let up. Um, yeah. And it's captured really well because they, like, Willie Scott obviously screams at everything, but um, Harrison Ford's got a lovely energy where he gives to Indy, which is just like, oh god, <laughs> oh not again. Sit down. Yeah. Um, and this is the part where we this is the rope bridge, which is in some way perhaps one of the, the best ending of of any of the Indiana Jones films. It's it's different, you know. You're in a confined space. You've got villains at both sides. You've got yeah. You know, crocodiles underneath, which makes it almost like a Disney film. It definitely feels but like a finale because with um with Raiders there are um oh it's been a while since I've seen Raiders, but I, f- I feel like it ends and there's a coda. Um, mm. Do you know what I mean? Like uh, not a back to base kind of thing. After after all their faces melt off, like it feels like there's something like there's something else after that. And with with Last Crusade the bit where they actually find the cup and the old knight is good but it's not like a massive big finale is it whereas no. with yeah you're right with temple of doom it's like the whole film has been building and building and building and then it kind of it doesn't let down with the with the bridge and you see where how you know he's caught with willie and shorty at one side and he's caught in the middle of this and he just happens to have a big piss off sword um and also he and doesn't again, give a fuck by this point well, no, because you think you've had this day yeah. or however long it's been, you've gone through all that and you're just here like going, well, some of us are going to die here. Yeah. I'm not going to, you know. And, and um, it's nice that he has kind of a plan because he uses the fact that nobody else um, speaks Shorty's language yeah. to his advantage. He just tells him what he's going to do. Like, um, <laughs> uh, there's no other way. Like, you couldn't, he couldn't just be like, um, oh, by the way, uh, I'm going to cut this, so you might want to wrap wrap yeah. your stuff up. But because he, he can say it to Shorty, it kind of is fun in its cheekiness. Because if Shorty, if Shorty if, hadn't been there, or he'd already perished, yeah. there's no way he could tip Willie off. That's what he was going to do. He yeah. would have just had to she, hope she, for the she, best. <laughs> and this is, again, like you said, I do give like, It's kind of, well, I can go, I'm going to take a lot of you with me. Um, and just that kind of that boldness to kind of think, you know, normally the, you know, again, if you, you look at a Bond film or another action film, but he's putting himself in such mortal danger yeah. in order to escape by basically cutting a rope bridge in half. Yeah. Um, I feel like, I don't know whether I've, uh, mi- like, misquoting them or something, but I feel like the Indiana Jones films came out of, like, a kind of a desire to do a James Bond type film like mm. Lucas and Spielberg I know they wanted to do like a, a boys own serial that they used to watch yeah. as kids themselves but I feel like the I feel like maybe they got onto that because they wanted to do like a uh, do something that was a bit 
James Bondy. And yeah. it works because there's only so many... By that point, there's really, like, only... Um, I mean, I don't think Dirty Harry counts, but there's really only, like, Bond and Indiana Jones that are, like, two big tentpole heroes, m- like, movie heroes um, yeah. that aren't superheroes. Um, and so, like... <laughs> they do feel like a good com- like we've said it a lot and we've gone oh of course if it's a bond film and i feel like that's fair because i think you can compare them both because they fulfill a similar role within their own films and and in this film in particular we talked about there was a and i'd never heard about it until a couple of months ago um invaders of the lost ark there was this thing from the big bang theory which i'd never seen but they're suggesting that if indiana jones hadn't been involved in the ark of the covenant things would have gone almost exactly the same. Like his presence didn't essentially change the plot. You know, the, they, the Nazis still got the Ark. Oh, they yeah, still they opened stay, the Ark. Yeah. You know, so, so he was kind of a, almost a passive bystander to this. Whereas in this film, it's completely the opposite. He is. That's true. You know, he saves it. He defeats the villain. He does everything. You know, um, I was because I was just thinking, you know, when um in Raiders, I'm like I'm I'm pretty sure he works out they're digging in the wrong place. Yeah, yeah. So if he hadn't found the right place, <laughs> they wouldn't have found uh, it. <laughs> well, I suppose they, they. I I mean, I guess they'd have probably found it eventually. Yeah, maybe. But, but I guess he he just brought it forward a, a few days, weeks, months, yeah. whatever. Um, <laughs> but, um... <laughs> I not really. Where did you see that? I hadn't thought of that. Uh, it was in the Big Bang Theory. I've never watched it, oh, but it was right. apparently this big, this big thing where I think one of the characters says, "Well, Raiders of the Lost Ark is meaningless because Indiana Jones doesn't, you know, the, the Nazis defeat themselves. It's their own hubris that opens the Ark and kills them all." Yeah, um, yeah, actually, yeah. But uh, um, and uh, I mean, watching this, and, and again, I, I remembered something from a few years ago. Um, do you, have you ever seen Gogglebox? Uh, no, I know what it is though. Yeah, there's a couple on here on Gogglebox, and they showed Indiana Jones on there a couple of years ago. And this couple were watching Indiana Jones on Gogglebox, and it was this part on the rope bridge. And one of the couple, they're these old sort of middle-aged hippie types, and I think they said, "Oh, this is why I didn't let our daughter go on a gap year to India." And he's sort of sort of half laughing and half going, "I." Indiana Jones brought us some classic goody versus baddie action on BBC Three. This is why we don't want our daughter to go on a gap year, isn't it? I know. Because she'll go across a bridge like that, all her friends will say it's safe, and then crocodiles will eat her. In fact, we must show her this film before she goes. (laughs) At the point we get that kind of final showdown again while this bridge is hanging off the edge of the edge of the cliff you've got indian mola ram and just these <laughs> you know he goes for his heart yeah his and fingers. yeah Ugh. now that we've seen that he can do that and they end up fighting over this bag of stones and they they start lighting up in the bag which they haven't done before but i guess they're, they're magic stones yeah um well they did light up in the temple when he put them together um, yeah. In the in in the in the skull in the skull shelf the skull cabinet, when he put them together there they did sort of glow but yeah they didn't set a line. Mm. Um, yeah, and, it, and they they've been in his bag for however long and nothing. Yeah, uh, and it makes you wonder actually, be devastating if they had all five. 
when all they do is burn a hole in his little man yeah. <laughs> luckily luckily he catches one yeah well yeah because Molaram tries to catch it first and it's two up and that's yeah. that's his downfall isn't it because that's the one he returns to the village at the end and I, I assume it must be the, the same one the interchangeable yeah, yeah do you think yeah this is not our rock also when they get back <laughs> to the village they haven't had the rock but the village is fine they're farming crops yeah I, I, I did see when they were saying we knew you were coming back because our village has come to life oh uh, maybe and I don't know if like do they need the stone after all then yeah do they just need the promise of the stone this is the kind of returning thing where all these children come running back and I mean there, there seems like there's more children than there are villagers I don't know if um yes that is true yeah. hadn't really thought of that either but it is a maybe they came from different villages and they, they're all just following Indiana Jones and Willie and short round yeah. wherever they're going and they'll move on to their own villages but that is a nice kind of uplifting ending where all the kids run behind them yeah that is like a triumph thing it's, yeah because like you said the end of Raiders he's pissed off because they've taken the ark away and shoved yeah, it in the warehouse the last we see of Indiana Jones is um walking angrily down some steps yeah and yet here he's walking up yeah and up a hill. That, that, that's true and in um in crusade he's riding off with into the with sunset, his dad and his yeah. mates on the yeah literally into the sunset that's a cool ending as well um okay. actually for, for being the best indiana jones film raiders has the worst ending <laughs> It's certainly one of those that punches. Yeah. Like, Actually, I say yeah. that, but that final shot is iconic, isn't it? So you can't really. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, the idea, the idea that it's like Indiana Jones is going off to sulk, and Mary, Mary <laughs> is going to have to, uh, going to have to cheer him up. Yeah, he's miserable. He's going to have some drinks. Yeah, yeah. But in this one, you know, he goes back with Willie and Shorty, and you know, yeah, they all look very happy. Yeah. Willie's learnt her lesson because she gets sprayed. She gets sprayed by the elephant and finds it funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's she hasn't got much of an arc at all, but I don't think she's meant to. Like it's. Uh, no. um, she'll go back to uh, either America with Indy, or maybe she'll go back to Shanghai or wherever she she'll end up, and uh, he'll realise that she's awful. <laughs> they can't meet here. Then, <laughs> then he'll move on. Well, and then the following well, year, guess- he meets Marion again. So. Exactly, yeah. So this is the only. But I mean, I guess if they did end up happily ever after, it wasn't ever after because um, yeah, it'd be a, a year at most. Yeah. Uh, weird. But that was Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. We survived. We made it out of the temple. Yes. Uh, it was. It was grueling. It was tough going because what? A, what a temple. Um, it does feel like actually that um, because the way the film's put together, it's almost like a chase, like from scene to scene to scene, mm. scene to scene to escape and back out. Um, that that's a very it's almost like made to be a video game like Raiders mm. is a fantastic film like as, and an experience whereas Temple of Doom you can see a kind of like um, uh, like syndication and merchandising rights running through it so like the, the uh, it's all, all the sequences all the actual action set pieces could be playable levels in a video game yeah. Have they done an Indiana Jones video I'm game? I'm pretty sure they must have, yeah. I mean, they've done a Die Hard yeah. one, so they must have done an Indiana Jones one. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, they did one for Death Wish 3 that was mentioned before. Did so. they? Yeah, um, it was on the Commodore 64. It was just a 
a very pixelated Charles Bronson running around Brixton with a rocket launcher. Wow. Um, they did some really, um, really obscure James Bond um, video games in the 80s. Um, yeah. Like you Only Live Twice 2. <laughs> was one, <I> think. <laughs> that sounds like one of those made-up titles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll have to look out for that. I mean, I, I think, again, the, the, the benefit of watching these films doing the podcast you pay a bit more attention but you know I mean yes there are this of the three Indiana Jones films well, let's, let's say there are <laughs> um, yes this this is my least favourite of the three but it's still bloody yeah cool. I mean I, I, I think I mean the, the, there are even things to like in four like there's 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 always like um, uh, there's, al- there's always going to be space for Indiana Jones like um, in my heart that's why I'll go and see the new one if it ever gets made. Mm. <laughs> um, it's uh, um, and yeah. So of the original three, Temple is uh, my least favourite. But as a child, it was my absolute favourite, no question. Mm. And that's not going to leave me either. I don't think every time I watch the film, I'm going to remember and feel like I'm eight years old again. Yeah, and be glad you're not a slave in some Indian mine yeah. somewhere under, underneath a pallet. Yeah. When I was a kid, the bit that stuck with me actually was the, the little boy that staggers back to the village at the start of the film. <laughs> of um, and uh, he's exhausted and they just they dwell on him resting on a rock for a bit. Mm. And that's like, uh, that really that really affected me as a kid. Because I was because uh, no, only in the way that like, maybe in a good way because it made me like at eight years old I was like, oh no, I am pretty pretty comfortable here <laughs> like I'd stop taking things for granted it could it could be worse yeah well Chris thank you for bringing your um, your tape of Temple of Doom um, again like we said we'll, we'll try and rewind it before we give it to the next podcast um, you're welcome now <laughs> we talked about this before um, now you do a lot of comedy and, and at the time of recording we're in lockdown and, and things are being very innovative um, now, where can people find you and, and a lot of your performances? Yeah, so during lockdown, uh, probably the best place to go would be um, my website, which is chrisstokescomedy.com, <clears throat> uh, and I do a monthly mail out of anything I've got going on. Uh, uh, on Twitter, I'm underscore Chris underscore Stokes, because there's too many Chris Stokeses. And uh, loads of us, uh, uh, former president of the Jamaican Bobsleigh Federation is called Chris Stokes, um, was he in Cool Runnings? Uh, he, he was in the original team that the story okay. Cool Runnings was based on, <laughs> and uh, um, that's probably the best place to go. I do a podcast as well uh, with your former guest Suze Kempner uh, yeah. called Mystery on the Rocks. Um, you can find that everywhere you get podcasts, and I also every Tuesday at seven pm on Zoom, um, my storytelling night uh, that I co-run with a few people. Called Natural Born Storytellers has um, a storytelling show, uh, and you can find information on that at naturalbornstorytellers.com. Okay, well, we'll make sure there are plenty of links to those in the show notes. And um, thank you so and, much. And if it makes you feel any better, I, I, my instructor at my training school for my current job, now we're talking nearly 20 years ago, his name was also Chris Stokes. So. Really? <laughs> There's so many, like, lead organist of the Manchester Cathedral, he was oh, called really. Chris Stokes. Uh, former director of the Strategic Rail Authority, he's called Chris oh, Stokes. Really. Too many Born of us. greatness. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> the other one's a child molester. Ah. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> was um, he in the Temple of Doom? 
maybe, mm. maybe. He's a film director. Okay. Um, I'm going to say alleged so that you don't get sued. Uh, I'm well but, past um, that. Yeah. <laughs> oh. um, well, as is tradition on the, uh, the podcast, as we play out with the song that was number one in the UK when the film was released, uh, now, I'm excited on the to hear 15th that. Fifteenth of June, 1984. It was two tribes. Actually, now you said fifteenth of June. I didn't know it came out then. It came out. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom came out one month exactly before I was ah. born. Uh, well, I wonder if two tribes would have been number one when you were born. Actually, I don't know. Um, Chris, thank you very much. Uh, thank you for having me. I've had a lot of fun. Uh, thank, thank you. you. This podcast is brought to you by executive producer Gary West, Fergus Higginson, Keith Foster, Jimmy Fletcher, Mark Drakes, Matt Cunnington, Christian Dees, Chris Hopkins, Omar Zambon, Ian Madrell, Catherine Lowe, Mark Makin, Zoltan Vargo, Simon Smith, Laurie Curran, Wayne McNally, Darren Hodgkins, Dan Wellington, Alex Heal, Philip Rothenberger and Alan Fewings, associate producer Chris Oakley. Visit patreon.com forward slash BMX Video Club for more information about bonus episodes, early access, discounted merchandise and more.